Welcome to Off the Beat, the podcast that discusses all things law enforcement from the cop's point of view. My name is DJ Seals. I'm a former detective, crime analyst, and SWAT operator from the metro Atlanta area. Now, I currently work for Motorola as a law enforcement consultant, but this podcast will never be about product or sales, and that I promise you. I came up with this idea because I wanted to have a place where we could have a conversation about current police issues without you, my listener, feeling like they were in a sales pitch. I wouldn't listen to that, and well, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't either. So let's take a look at today's topic. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you know, a year or two years after I've recorded it, and I'm sitting here in mid-April right now, uh, we're, we're still in the COVID pandemic. Uh, most of us are in some type of, you know, uh, lockdown, if you will. Maybe that's too hard of a word, but businesses are closed. Non-essential workers don't go in. Um, you know, curfews and 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 don't gather with more than ten people or so, and stay six feet apart from anybody if you if you do come in contact, and wear masks and wear gloves and. It, it, it's it's feeling a little bit like some post-apocalyptic movie from the eighties. And, you know, I've been, I've been working on a project, uh, here, uh, in, and it's all around COVID, you know, how, how do we, how do we use what we have, uh, technology wise to, to, to help mitigate, uh, keep track of, uh, the, the, the spread, the calls the we're seeing so many coming up. And, and one of the things that struck me here and and I took it a little bit for granted, to be honest with you, because, you know, my team and I, when we're not traveling, which we, without this, we, we travel a lot. I mean, uh, many of you that listen to me, I, I've come to you to, to you know, teach at your conferences or, or teach at your agencies. And I love doing that. And I'm really missing it right now. But I take for granted that when I don't travel, I work from home. My, as I speak to you, I'm 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 in my home office right now. I've got my little bulldog sitting back behind me because she insisted on being in here today. <laughs> and and I thought, but wait a minute, Th- this is this is highly impactful to those who don't work from home. I mean, even in my organization, uh, I'm, we're having lots of meetings. Obviously, you know, work, work is going on, and and uh, I, I see people in basements because they needed to find a quiet spot because all the kids are home and, and, and it's just, it's a different way to get work done. And one of the things that I was focusing on is mobility. Are, are we mobile? And again, I take that for granted. I, I I'm, I'm speaking to you right now on my little podcaster mic with a little cable and a set of headphones and I've got it into my computer and as you've known, if, if, if you've listened to this for any time at all, I, I take this with me when I travel. I've done these podcasts from Poland and, and, and other places in Europe and, and Canada and, and Texas and just all over. I, I take this with me. I am mobile. But this is not true for the vast majority of society. 
You know, we see people that, uh, you know, times are, times are hard for many, many, many people because they can't go to work. They're considered deemed non-essential personnel. You know, what I, what I think is very interesting is that as we watch TV, I don't know where, where you're listening to me from. Uh, we've got nine different countries listening now, and, and I certainly hope your country's on the downturn here. But here in the U.S., at this point, we're not. And I see commercials for grocery stores and uh, things like Walmart and places like that that are desperate to hire. Well, why is that? Well, because the supply chains are good, and they need people to stock those shelves and deal with customers. So we're moving on, but we're moving on in a difficult manner. And the difficulty lies in what do I do now? How do we make this work, this new normal? And let's, let's hope to goodness it's a new temporary normal. But, but how do we do this? And, you know, I think it's starting to teach us quite a few lessons in policing. Are we mobile in our police force? Not do we get in cars and travel around, but how do we do what we do in policing when we have a pandemic like this? When there's the risk of uh, potentially infecting the entire police force? I mean, what would happen if that were to occur? So I've spoken to a lot of my friends down in Florida, here in Georgia and Texas and California and all over. How are you doing this? Are you doing okay? I'm checking on them. And what I'm finding is things such as their, um, their detectives are working from home because that way they have uh, less chance of contracting. They're, they're basically telling them to stay home. Um, they're still working which has got to be really, really odd. They're still working on cases, but they're doing it from home. And I asked about that, and I said, was that to keep them away from, from the department so that they don't infect or don't get infected? Uh, they said, yeah, partially, because, you know, heaven forbid that the entire department gets sick or a couple of guys get sick or girls get sick, th th we're going to have to have people come in, right? We're going to have to have people take over uh, that, that, that shift. And so we're hoping that they stay safe at home. And so if needed, they can come in. But then I said, well, what happens when they have a case, they have to go see somebody. Well, we really want them to do most of that on the phone. Wow. Whew. Talk about handcuffing a detective, right? I mean, but necessary, not down in it. I get it, but it's gotta be very difficult in a detective's point of view, because part of an interview is seeing the reactions, seeing the physical and facial and, and all of the reactions that might come when you're interviewing somebody. And that's difficult. So I talked to another one of my friends who's actually a, a, a detective here in my county, and he said it's different. They're coming into work, and there, there's no, nothing there, but nobody's coming into the sheriff's department and when they have to go out and speak to somebody, they can't go in the house. And they have to stay out in the yard and six feet apart. It, this, is, this is a different world. I asked about patrol. You know, frankly, what, what's going on with patrol? I mean, you guys are still pulling over cars. And the answer I get from most is that, well, yes, but. 
<laughs> yes, but. Yes, but only if it's, you know, a danger to society. If you're not displaying a tag, probably not right now for a lot of people. Um, if you're, if you don't use your turn signal, but you didn't cause a wreck or some type of dangerous situation, probably not. I mean, if you're going 150 miles an hour down Interstate 20, yeah, that's that's going to be an issue. Um, but, you know, the, the way we do things has changed. And so then I thought, well, what happens if this continues and our officers in mass start to get sick? You know, I've been, I've been hearing from a lot of my friends, um, one of my friends in Detroit, you know, they, they lost a dispatcher to this. Um, it's, 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 it's heartbreaking and dispatchers dispatch it in, in the dispatch center. You know, I've got a few that, that are being able to do this from home. Um, they've got advanced technology and they can do that. Um, but for the most part, they're there, they're, they're in the dispatch center sitting next to each other. Um, and, and these fears are real, but what has it taught us about being prepared for the unknown like this? Well, I've learned a lot from, uh, again, some friends in Florida, Louisiana, and California in that Louisiana and California, uh, I mean, Louisiana and Florida rather are, are extremely adept at understanding um, some type of uh, disaster when it comes to hurricanes, obviously, right? I mean, they, they write the master class on how to survive through those and thrive after those. And, and they're fairly prepared for that. What they're prepared for, though, is being able to hunker down and ride the storm uh, or being able to have a secondary location where everybody can move to and still do their work. Same thing for California with earthquakes. Um, th the buildings are, are are built to withstand that kind of uh, that kind of disaster, and they have secondary locations, and they have. But again, this is further than that. This is not that type of potential disaster. This is one person comes in, happens to be ill that day because they had to go buy groceries, and they came in contact with somebody, and boom. This is different. So this mobility is true mobility, true, pick up your stuff, go to your house, be in quarantine and still be able to do your work while you're being safe from these others. So I thought about this and I came up with actually six steps that we need to speak about. And, and the first one is mobility itself, the definition of mobility being able to do everything that you do, whether it be uh, detective, whether it be uh, dispatch, um, analyst, um, you know, granted, patrol. Patrol's still going to patrol, folks. Patrol still has to answer those questions, has to answer those calls. What do we do for them? Huh. Well, PPE, personal protective equipment. We, we've got to get them that equipment. We've got to get them the education on the equipment, right? What's the best way to use it? How often can you? Is it washable? Do you have to throw it away? That's a different ball game, but let's talk about those that are not answering the calls, but still have 
crucial and critical work to be done. So mobility, what do we mean here? And again, can you ask yourself this in your job today? Many of you, I understand, listen to this driving into work, um, in your job today, can you do that job at home fully, fully? Can you pick up your laptop or your equipment and your headset or, or, or whatever that may be and, and go and just do anywhere? If the answer is yes, I applaud you. If the answer is no, what better time to be at least thinking about it? What would it keep you, what would keep you rather from doing it completely mobily? And what about working from home? So that's step two, working from home is, is, is home's tough. <laughs> Why is it tough? Well, when, when we are in a situation like this, everybody's home. I mean, you know, I, you know, I just told you my bulldog was behind me and, um, you know, my, my, my kids are upstairs. I'm recording this pretty early on purpose <laughs> this morning before the house starts rocking, you know, and, and my, my wife is, is working from home as well and it can get hectic. You're right in the middle of something and your kid needs help with homework because now we're doing homework in some type of mobile fashion, right? You're right in the middle of something and the, who knows, the dog needs to go, needs to go out. It is a different style of working. It is a style of working that requires flexibility and sometimes is really close to, I hate to use the word impossible, but really close to the word impossible, but it can't be impossible. So you've got to find a place in your house that, that you can do this. You've got to lay the ground work for this is when I'm working. Act like I'm away. Act like I'm at home. I mean, not at home. Act like I'm at work, especially if you're dispatching. Your focus must be there. You know, my analysts, friends, I mean, you're creating a, a large analysis portfolio. You know, being being sidetracked is not helpful. But we have to think about those things. So the first two steps so far, can you do what you do today, every day, somewhere else? Can you just pick up and go? And two, have you, have you really thought about how this is going to work if it had to work long term uh, from home? We've got to be fig figuring that out. Three, and a really hard one, infrastructure. I don't know if you've noticed this. bet you have. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've been on some web conference, some web conference calls. What am I talking about? I've been on enough web conference calls to, to make your ears fall off. And, you know, all of a sudden the, the internet lags and folks, I, I've, I've got a heck of an internet connection at my house. I mean, on purpose, as you can imagine for the work I do, but it'll lag, you know, I mean, again, streaming videos for, I got one in college. I got another one that's 10, you know, streaming videos for, for class. They're doing Zoom meetings for class. They're doing all these different things. And just frankly, across the United States and other countries, we've noticed that the Internet is uh, being taxed at times where it's not typically taxed like this because a lot of us are converting to working from home. 
So instead of being on that, you know, that uh, professional, you know, T1 fiber connection at your at your office that is built for this kind of work, we're now sitting at home on our Wi-Fi connection that frankly was just good enough to run Netflix and trying to run this. Will the infrastructure you have handle the workload you do? Well, one of the questions you can ask is, uh, especially there's been a lot of conversations around with IT uh, folks and, you know, how do we do this in our department and can we handle it? And is, is what are the requirements? What are the minimum requirements to do uh, your, your daily tasks? If you don't have that at home, it's going to be an issue. It's going to be a real issue. I mean, how, how will that be handled? I don't know. I mean, I was thinking about that a lot. I mean, is, is that contingent upon your work to offer you more than that? And if that's true, then that's kind of sideways because then they're also going to be paying for an internet connection that is lightning fast for you to watch movies at night with your family. That's not going to go well with any chief sheriff or, or executive at your department. But yet, it is an issue, isn't it? Will the infrastructure that you have handle what you need to do? Four, security. And this is a big one. I was just on a call um, yesterday, I guess it was. We're doing a lot of planning for our upcoming conference. Yes, I know. We, we are aware of what's going on. Uh, but the conference is in, I think, October. So we, we have high hopes that we will be past this in, in October. And we're, we're forging ahead. And many of you have been to our conferences and seen you know just way too many classes that I've taught. And I appreciate uh, you, you doing that. Um, but we were talking about those classes and Somebody came up with, uh, you know, some ideas of, oh, people can this and that, and they can log into their live function at our conference and da-da-da-da-da, and I went, and I did, well, hold up. I said, what? And I said, you want them to log into their live function at our conference? We, we've got to make sure that the, the, the security of the internet connection is good. And, 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 you know, those kind of conversations are going on. And why do we want that? Because live is better, folks. Live is great. It also shows the mobility, right? We're trying to, we're doing a lot of mobility teaching and, but, but what's the security around that? So, I mean, I, I was, I was really big into security at my department, um, you know, especially sieges and, and, and especially sieges and, um, you know, we're, we've got a lot of PII personally identifiable information coming through on our systems, whether it be analysis or dispatch or, or really anything. Uh, and is, is that secure at home? I mean, do, do you have a completely secured network at your house? Mm, I bet not, you know, uh, pretty, pretty certain with a couple of pieces of software, we could drive up to your house, get your Wi-Fi connection and get into your password pretty quick and start, uh, doing things like that. Not that I've ever done this wink, wink. But I used to have a friend back in the day that I'd drive up to his house and I'd send messages to his printer because he just kept the regular printer password and it was generic. And it was quite funny because I didn't tell him for a while. And, you know, it's <laughs> it's one of those where you know, he'd come in and there'd be a message on the printer and I, I had him convinced the printer was talking to him. But anyway, what about that security? Well, one way to begin that um, beyond obviously, you know, firewalls and things like that, that we all know about is, is two factor authentication. 
You've heard a lot about two-factor, perhaps. Maybe you're using two-factor at your department. Um, you know, two-factor is, is basically a secondary way to prove while you're logging in that it's actually you. So you use your username, you use your password, and then it switches you over to some type of second factor that you prove that. Now, uh, it's, it's not the... Um, it's, it's not the annoying thing we've been seeing online now where you, you do that and it says, pick every picture that has a bus in it and you click in that. That's not that. That's to make sure that, that you're not a, a bot, right? Just trying to flood the network. Um, what this is, is like, for instance, here at work, when I log in, uh, to really anything, I think I do two factor about 12,000 times a day. Um, but when you log in, username, password, uh, and then I've got a button that pops up and it basically sends a text message to my secure work phone that is also two-factor. And I have to use a code from the phone into my computer. That, that, that's very typical for a lot of business two-factor. But a lot of agencies are going to have to start going to two-factor when we are truly mobile, if we're preparing for true mobility. So alone from the infrastructure, we then have to have the security. We can have, we can have the best speed in the world, but an unsecured connection doesn't matter. That just means that the, 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 the crook has a better speed to pull your data, <laughs> right? I mean, I mentioned Zoom meetings earlier, and yes, my school system's still using them, but we've heard a lot. Uh, right about people hacking into Zoom meetings and things like that, and that's because I mean, you know, Zoom was you know, just one of these quick meeting apps, and, and and it wasn't too hard to figure out how to get in and 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 hijack the meeting, if you will. So, mobility, working from home, infrastructure, and two factor. We got two more steps here. The fifth one is acceptance, and you know, I probably could have put this as number six. Because it is the ultimate, right? Acceptance to a new way. Boy, we've talked about this before on this podcast, haven't we? Remember that button I got from one of my listeners? This is how we always do it. And I hate <laughs> that statement. I always do it that way because that's the way we've always done it. Okay, but is it the right way? Well, I think this pandemic has shoved us in forcefully, head first, into we have to do it a different way in times like this. And oh goodness, we're not prepared for this. And, and I don't mean just law enforcement. I'm talking across the board. I'm talking everybody. We just, we're not prepared to wrap our heads around this new way of doing, right? But at a department, it's going to be a little more difficult because what, what is the new way? Does it make sense to your officers. We all have those cops. We all have those people that work in the department that would much rather use a stone tablet and a chisel than their computer. <laughs> we all have those, right? And with this new way of mobility that's coming, there's no way to get around the technology of it. We've got to dive in. So a lot of that acceptance can be pre-training. Are they comfortable? Are, are we sure they're comfortable with all the technology at the department at the department while they're there? Are they using it to its fullest ability 
Um, I'm, I'm doing a lot of training on that now just to make sure our agencies fully understand what they have and how to use it in a mobile way. And, you know, we've got to do that because then when something like this occurs that we're currently in, it's an easier shift to the left or to the right to make sure that work continues without interruption. Because here's the deal. Um, you know, beyond the company I work with, and I'll even say the company I work with, although, you know, I guess, I guess technically we are, we are, uh, you know, service personnel because we're, we're servicing what many, many agencies have to make sure it's working. But beyond that, you know, law enforcement, fire, EMS, all of those absolutely crucial personnel, no ability to say, we're just not going to come in today. We're just not going to answer those calls today because people still need public service during pandemics. They need public service during pandemics for calls that aren't about the pandemic. That work must continue. That work cannot stop. But when we change the way it's done, we have to have an acceptance to that. And that acceptance, unfortunately, cannot be, like I've spoken about in the past, changing from like CompStat to ILP. You have time to gradually step into that. When things like this happen, we don't have time. It's tomorrow we're doing this new way, and that's it. <laughs> we have no option. We have to. Safety, security, lives are at stake. We've got to go this way. Acceptance must be quick. But that's why I say the acceptance begins ahead of time. We'll get past this. But I guarantee you from here on out, we'll all be thinking about when's the next one coming? Are we prepared for that? Have we planned for that? And given that, we now get into step six. And step six is your SOP. Oh, DJ, what? Really, you bring an SOP to every conversation. Yes, I do. <laughs> I'm a true believer in if, if it's not in your standard operating procedures, then you're not really doing it. If you're not teaching it in your roll call SOP update classes, and Lord, if you have no idea what those are, please give me a call after this. Um, those should be done regularly on changes to your SOP. And... But does your SOP reflect everything I just said? Does your SOP reflect a section? And I'm guaranteeing you because I've spoken to a lot of agencies who are right now pounding one out for that. Does it talk about the mobility, how that works? Does it talk about the working from home and, and the hours that you must work from home? Because, you know, this pandemic is not a vacation. It's not. It's not a, yay, I'm home. Until I get a call, I think I'll go out and play with the kids. That would be nice. But that's not what this is. That's not how any of this works, right? Have, have, does your SOP talk about the infrastructure needs and necessities and what you will do about those if they are lacking? Does it talk about the security of accessing your private information, citizens' private information, outside of the dome, if you will, of your department's security? Does it talk about the acceptance to a new way? This is how 
we will do it. Uh, kind of drives me nuts when I read SOP sections that say it is suggested that no SOPs don't suggest SOPs are, <laughs> they'd be like getting directions. Y'all, y'all ever put any furniture together from Ikea? <laughs> okay. That'd be like your furniture from Ikea. And let's, let's face it. The directions are all right, but oh boy, geez, only if you've ever put Ikea furniture together before. But that'd be like the directions they're saying, uh, you know, you could put it together like this, or you could do this. We just kind of suggest that we just put it together. No, that's not going to fly. SOPs are directions. That's what they are. Step-by-step directions on what you're going to do during XYZ. Do you have a section on that? You don't have time to work on it right now, fairly certain, because we're all just just slammed, right? But be thinking about it. Be thinking about it. And that's one of those things that, listen, if you, you know, after this is over with, if you care, give me a call. I mean, I, I can help you walk through a lot of that. I'm helping other agencies walk through that, that creation as we speak because it is absolutely necessary, and we have found that it is. So these are just kind of some of the steps that I've thought about as we're going through this pandemic, as we continue to go through this pandemic, and, and the changes that we're having to deal with and society at large and, and more more focused at, at law enforcement and EMS and fire level. Um, it's, it's a different, different world right now. And we, as public safety personnel, do not have the option to fail. We just do not have the option to fail. We're still there for our mandate. Our mandate has not changed. It may have altered a little bit um, with with the new, uh, you must now enforce these curfews. Great. What law is that around? Oh, it's a city ordinance. Okay, is there any punishment to it? Nah, not really. <laughs> I read one. Matter of fact, I'll go ahead and tell you, it was in my own county. I read it um, this beginning. Now, now it's a little different now. But when this began, it was like, uh, well, we're not really going to enforce this, but you can be pulled over and the deputy will give you some education on why you shouldn't be out. And I thought, that sounds like a Monty Python sketch. I don't know if you all, all have ever seen that, where they go, stop, or I'll yell, stop again, right? That's it, it, difficult to enforce when there is no enforcement. And so some things have changed quite a bit. But how have we kept up with it? And more importantly, what are we learning from it while we're going through this odd and horrible time that we're currently in? That's what I want you to think about. And now, let's take a look at some crazy but true police blotter stories. Now, I thought about this a lot, and uh, today's uh, stupid criminals... (laughs) is are, are from from the world all over the world um, why because we're all in this together right so i thought you know what everybody's got stupid criminals let me reach out a little bit here so we're gonna uh, begin here down under in australia would-be thief broke into a melbourne bakery and he found for all his troubles he trapped himself in a locked storeroom uh-huh that's right He was captured on CCTV, stacking containers and chairs and bins in a desperate attempt to climb up the roof. 
cameras rolled for over 30 minutes as he attempted to scale the pile he had created, finally crashing to the ground uh, and injuring himself. The would-be burglar eventually crawled himself to freedom and promptly handed himself in so that he could get medical attention. Perfect. Brazil. Two burglars rifling through an apartment were disturbed by police and jumped out of a window with a stash of jewelry. Well, soon afterwards, the police picked up the two men acting suspiciously and frankly looking like the suspects. So while in custody, one man became ill and he needed hospital treatment. Let's pause there for a minute. Every cop listening to me is like, oh, yep, he's got jailitis, right? I don't know what y'all call it. We call it jailitis, where uh, by the time you got him in custody, oh, I'm very sick, I've got to go. And most, most of the time, it was nothing. They just wanted to try to avoid jail. But no, no, this guy went to x-rays. That's right. They did two x-rays, and they found two rings, a pendant, and a necklace that he'd all swallowed when he saw the cops. Well, after a swift surgery, the apartment owner was asked to identify the items. Yeah. He identified the items. He did indeed identify the items. And uh, the police charged the two men with burglary. In the UK, 32-year-old man was jailed for three years. Hang on to that for a minute. When he was found hanging upside down from a window after trying to break into a terrace house in Kent. Having been caught hanging literally upside down from the window of the house he was attempting to break into, he was left with little choice but to admit his crime and take his punishment on the chin, said police. You know, that's a good one. Using a rope, try to scale down a window, or scale down a roof rather, into a window and you get yourself hung and can't get down. The craziest thought about that one was, I read the full story here, but he never made it in the house. So, attempted burglary, criminal trespass, he had three years. Oh, a, a note for any criminals that are listening to me, and I hope I have no criminals listening, but who knows. Yeah, don't move to the UK. Okay? All right. Croatia. Uh, where my where my family's from, Croatia. Modern technology foiled this felon when he and uh, his mate were found with 103 grams of marijuana in their car. 103 grams. Okay. While they were at the station for questioning, a third man, no joke, sent a text message to one of their phones. <laughs> Let's picture this for just a minute. You got two guys that have been pulled over with a bunch of marijuana in their car. They're taken to the station for questioning. They're sitting there. Now, you, you know how this goes, right? The, the, the stuff in their pockets, their phones and all that, are probably sitting on a detective's desk or, or maybe already in a bag, right? But they're, they're not probably in evidence yet. So imagine this for a minute. Some other dude who was not with them when they got pulled over sent, sent one of them a text message saying, hey, water my weed, please. The police then went to the place where this other guy was and found a small backyard plantation of weed. All three were convicted of possession with intent to deal drugs. Man, that's good stuff. In Australia, one thief got more than he bargained for when he reached into the window of a parked car. Oh, this is one of my favorites. We reached into the window of a parked car to snatch a purse. Here's the issue. The purse belonged to a professional... <laughs> if I can get through this one without laughing. 
The purse belonged to a professional snake catcher. You got it. Inside, inside. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> I got this. Inside the car was a highly venomous snake that the snake catcher had just captured from an underground park in Sydney. And guess what? Yeah, the snake fought back. The guy immediately calls 911. They show up. I was bitten by a snake. Where? In that car. The car. Yeah, you see how this all turned out. Moral of the story, folks, okay? And, and by the way, I saw a picture of this vehicle because that's the funniest part. The outside of the vehicle literally says, please stay back, Prof professional snake handler, poisonous snakes inside. Wow. I mean, th this guy needs to get an extra special award, right? Extra special dumb award, right? All right, last one for today. New Zealand. New Zealander was fined for common assault. Common assault. Hmm. That's a New Zealand term. That's not a... It's not in the United States. A common assault. Just happens all the time. Very common. For common assault for hurling a hedgehog at a schoolboy. Yeah. Let me make sure that you understood what I just said. Guy was fined for common assault for throwing a hedgehog. You know that little animal, little spiky animal? At another schoolboy. The offender threw the prickly weapon at his target, leaving the boy with a large red welt and four quills lodged in his hip. Unfortunately, the hedgehog did not survive the impact and was, and this is a quote from the police, I left it in here, the hedgehog was taken away as evidence. I'm glad I wasn't the evidence tech on that one. And that, folks, are some crazy but true police blotter stories. You know, as we go along this journey together, I may say some things you don't agree with, or maybe you do, and even have a topic you'd like me to cover. I'd like to hear from all of you. Those who agree, those who don't agree, that is how conversation begins. And some of you have given me some topics, and you've heard those covered. Or maybe you have a funny police story you'd like to share with me. You know, I encourage you to email me at offthebeat.com at MotorolaSolutions.com to give me your thoughts and ideas and check out my Twitter page at DJ underscore off the beat. Until next time, stay diligent, stay educated, and certainly, please stay safe. Thanks. <laughs>